Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. All right, well, good morning. I told First Service I will be the first to confess that I had no need for a belt today. No need at all. So there's going to be work to do next week. Oh, man, I, I, I'm so glad that you are with us today. And, and to those of you online, just want to welcome you as well. And guys, I, I hope that you had an amazing Thanksgiving. But I do hope, I do pray that you spent some time just slowing down and just remembering, just remembering how thankful we are for all that God has done. Just remembering how incredible it is that we can sit in a service like this and worship freely. That's an amazing gift. And I, I pray that we are always thankful people and not spoiled. I also want to thank the congregation. You did it again. It is absolutely amazing. I was, I was talking to uh, Diane, and I think we got just over 370 shoeboxes to make Christmas around the world be so good. Thank you so much. Man. Um, Diane and Bob Moore have been leading us through this with Samaritan's Purse for a long, long time. And if you see them, please thank them because they do such an amazing job with it. And now, now here's the big deal. We can officially flip the season. We can officially flip it. In case you didn't know, Christmas is only about four weeks apart, excuse me, away. And for some of you, I'm thinking like, oh, no. Right? And for others, you're ready. So, so know that that's coming. And I don't know about you guys, but in my family, my wife puts the, the law down. There is no decorating and there is no celebrating until Thanksgiving has had its due. I mean, it just doesn't happen, right? She wants to make sure that Thanksgiving has its proper respect. But now, now that it's officially on, I'm telling you, I can sing my Christmas carols all through the house. I sing loud and I sing bad. And I think that's the reason she tries to slow this whole thing down and delay it a little bit. So, but that's all right because it's on. And, and starting today, we're going to be taking about a five-week break from the book of Nehemiah. It's been an amazing uh, study so far. And what we'll do is we'll do a four-week Christmas series, and then we'll do a standalone message um, at the end. On, I think it's December 26th. And so, so that you know, and then we'll get right back into the Nehemiah study uh, in January. Well, today we are, we're going to start with looking at just the, the Christmas season and the perspective that some of the people in the Bible had and maybe why, right? And, and we want to look at that. And it's my privilege this morning to get started with, I think, one of the most faithful people in all the scriptures. I get to tell you today about the mother of our Savior and Lord, the Virgin Mary. And, and guys, so that you and I can hopefully kind of get into and understand how in the world she could have this perspective, I want to go backwards just a little bit. And I, I want to talk about some moments that were leading up to what I think is the greatest event to ever occur in our world. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Luke, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, then Luke. We're going to be camping out there today. And in Luke, 5, well, Luke 1, excuse me, verse 5, what we, what we see is that in the time of Herod, who was the king of Judah, 
there was this priest by the name of Zechariah. And what we know is that he was married to a, a lady by the name of Elizabeth. And we were told that they are both righteous in the sight of God, but that they were childless because Elizabeth was unable to become pregnant. So that's what we know. The next thing that we see is that because Zechariah was a priest, he gets thrown into this large group of priests who they, they get chosen by lot. But when they say chosen by lot, they, they, it's like us rolling dice or maybe us drawing straws, right? And, and he was chosen by lot, which gave him the honor of burning incense in the temple of the Lord. Now, now you need to know that, that you know, for most priests, this was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So this was a big, big deal. But, but I do want to stop right there just for a minute because I want to remind us of something. Yes, the, the Bible says that he was chosen by lot because that was the world's way of doing it. But we know that God either allows or ordains everything that happens. And so we know that God was the one that chose Zechariah for this task, and it was not by chance. I just want to make sure we understand and know that as we move forward. All right, so here's what happens. Zechariah, he walks into the temple right? To burn incense. And all of a sudden, he sees an angel of the Lord. We find out later that this angel is, is uh, Gabriel. And it says that he's standing on the right side of the altar. And, and guys, I'm not exactly sure what God's most powerful angel looks like, but I do know this. I know that Zechariah knew that this was no human. I don't know whether Gabriel was floating in air. I don't know if he was beaming. I don't know what it was. But I know that he knew that this was no human. Because in verse 11, Gabriel says this to him. He says, do not be afraid. I'd be like, it's too late. Right? It's too late. But he says, do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. And so what we know is that later, you know, he grows up to be John the Baptist. And, and I don't want you to miss this part of it. I don't want you to miss this nugget. We can never give up on God. And we can never, ever, even when it doesn't make sense, we got to know his timing is always perfect, right? Because now at this old, old age, Elizabeth is going to have a child. You see, God can do anything at any time. And that's what we have to remember today. So we see God's plans here, right, for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we know that they are going to be busy growing and raising John the Baptist. And then the Bible moves us six months down the road. And, and this time, God sends his angel Gabriel to the town of Nazareth. And it tells us that there's a virgin named Mary who is pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And what we see is that Gabriel says to Mary, he says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So here's this young lady, right? Get this picture now. Here's this young lady. She's either between 12 and 14 years old when all this is happening. Most people believe to more towards 12, which makes it even more incredible. And, and what we know is that her family was relatively poor, right? We know she was uneducated, and, and her knowledge of the Scriptures was limited to what she had either memorized or what she had heard from the synagogue. And guys, according to the world, according to the world's standards, according to the world's ways, her lane in life, like many in her category, was to marry humbly, to give birth to several poor children, to never travel more than a few miles from her house, and then to die like thousands before her as a nobody from nowhere. That was what the world was telling Mary. But you see, God, he had a different plan for her. He had a different plan because in the blink of an eye, 
Think about that. In the blink of an eye, just like that, her entire world changes because now she's being told by an angel that the one and only God of the universe, the creator of everything, says she's not only favored, but that he is with her. And then, guys, it gets deeper and better. If you have your Bibles, look at Luke 1, 30 through 33, as Gabriel continues to talk to him. He says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And guys, Mary's probably walking around her little area in her village, and she's trying to think about what she and her mom are going to cook for supper or prepare for the, for the family, right? That's what she's doing. And all of a sudden, her entire world changes. Everything changes. And she's told by an angel that she's going to have a baby. Not only is she going to have a baby, but this baby's going to be the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And Gabriel's telling her, Mary, just so you know, out of all the people in the world, out of all the women in the entire world, God has chosen you to be the mother. Guys, do you think that would change your day? Do you think that would change your, your, your thoughts, your perspective? Do you think... That, that she was just like, what is going on? And with all of that happening, I, I love the way she responds. You know, but, but, but I want you to see something first. I want you to see how I think that the world may respond today. Now, young people, please don't take this the wrong way because some of you are, are merry in the works. I get it. But I'm talking about the world as a whole. I want you to see how I think some young people may, may respond to this today. It would be like, Whoa, 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 slow down, Mr. Gabriel. Hang on. I mean, this is a huge responsibility, and this is a very demanding role that you're calling me to play. What does this pay? How much is the salary? Hey, are there benefits? Because you know how much it costs to raise a baby boy today. Oh, and by the way, if just in case there are any Bible or uh, any uh, book or uh, movie rights to this thing, I want 50%. Right? Because that's how our world is kind of taught outside the church, right? That's what we're taught. We're taught to capitalize on everything that we can. If there's an opportunity like this, what does it do for us? Right? But Mary, Mary does none of this, guys. There's no bargaining. There's no deal-making. There's no demand. She simply asks one question. She says, hey, how's this going to happen since I'm a virgin? She's not saying, God, can you really do this? She's saying, hey, God, how can you do this? There's such a big difference there. And then Gabriel gives her her answer. If you're following along, Luke 1, 35 through 37, Luke gives her her answer to her question. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. 
Think about taking all of this in at maybe 14 years old. That's why I think Mary's answer is one of the most incredible quotes of all the Bible. In verse 38, here's what she says. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. No book rights, no movie rights, no demands. Just God, do whatever you want in my life. I trust you. Wow. I mean, you know, there's been some incredible people in the Bible, and they've done extraordinary things. They've done that through the power of God, for God, and with God. But very, very few have answered the first call from God, especially at this age, like Mary does. I mean, think about this. Abraham doubted and Sarah laughed when God told them they were going to have a son in their old age, right? And then Moses, he not only doubted, but he tried to talk God out of using him to take the Israelites out of Egypt. Gideon, he told God he wasn't going to do anything until God provided proof. And even the disciple Thomas doubted and said he would never believe that Jesus had risen from the dead until he saw the holes in Jesus' hands. But guys, somehow, some way, this poor, uneducated, maybe 14-year-old girl, despite all that the world was telling her, that she was a nobody from nowhere, she answers God saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Think about that. So what we want to do today, we want to look at how. How can she have this kind of perspective? With all that's going on around her, how can she have this kind of perspective, this kind of faith in her God? So I want us to look. There's three things that I pulled from the chapter that I want us to look at today and think about and see if this not just strengthens her, but that it will help us today to be able to know who God is and what he does. So the first is this. Guys, there's nothing earth-shattering here. She just simply believed that her God was big enough to do what he said he would do. Her God was big enough to do what he said he would do. I mean, you got to know, Mary was human. She was human. And so those doubts were coming in her mind just like they would ours. She's thinking, is this angel real or is this all a dream? Can God really create a baby and a virgin? Am I really going to be the mother of the Savior of the world? What makes me qualified for this? You know those voices were in her head, right? But what's so amazing is that because of her definition of who God was, because her definition was so big and it was growing bigger daily, she was able to believe that all this was real. Not only was all this real, but that God was orchestrating it all. You see, because her God was beyond comparison and capable of anything at any time, and because her God was not capable of saying something and not doing it, she was able to believe that no word from God will ever fail. Here's my question. Is our God big enough today? Is our definition of God strong enough 
Is he powerful enough? Is our God smart enough for us to believe that everything he says is true? That he can do anything? That his plan for us is perfect and that no one or no thing can stop it? Do you believe that this morning? You see, that was Mary's strength. That's why God chose her. He didn't chose her because he didn't chose her. He didn't choose her because her uh, skill was unbelievable. He chose her because her heart was unbelievable. That's why God chose her. Mary simply believed. Guys, I think when you and I, when we can get to this point in our life, when we believe truthfully that there is no one like our God, when our definition of God is growing every single day because we're studying, we're praying, we're reading his word, then and only then, like Mary, will you and I be able to trust him completely and give him control of our lives. The second thing I want you to see today that I think Mary did such an amazing job of was she was more concerned with what God thought than what the world thought. And, you know, that's such a simple statement. You know how hard that is in our world today? She was more concerned with what, the, with, with what God was thinking than what the world was thinking. Now, young people that you're here today, those of you maybe around 14, 15 years old, 12 to 15, somewhere in there, can you imagine this? Can you imagine going home to tell your parents that even though you're a virgin and you have never been sexually active, that all of a sudden you have now become pregnant through the power of God's Holy Spirit and that an angel of the Lord shared all this with you? Can you imagine telling your parents that? And then you got to continue by telling them, oh, this is no ordinary baby. Um, Mom, Dad, this, I'm carrying the Savior of the world. I'm carrying the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. And then you get to share it with your boyfriend, or in this case, fiancé. Then, then the word gets out in the community. How long? You know, Mary was what? She was 14 years old now, right? So how long? do you think it would take to get all this out into the community? How long would it take to go through a middle school with this, this something this juicy? Maybe 10 minutes, right? And imagine what people think and say about you as, you as you are seen in public. There she is. There's that girl that gets pregnant and tries to blame it on God. Who does she think she is? I mean, really? Some said that. She's trying to say now that some angel of God told her all this. What's she smoking? And then the best one, right? You know it's going to be said. Do you even think it's her boyfriend? Those are the voices that Mary heard. You see, her reputation as far as the world was concerned was smeared for life. And it would never, ever, ever be the same. Nothing in her life. People would gawk at her everywhere she went. And there would always be those whispers as she walked by. And even with all of that going on, somehow through God's strength, through his power, through his wisdom, Mary realizes something. Something that we need to realize today. She realizes that she was never created to please this world. And that God had chosen her 
to be, in, to be a part of this incredible plan for salvation. You see, she made a choice in her life to want what God had created her to be and do, and that became more important to her than anything this world could offer. Guys, God gave Mary's life passion, purpose, and meaning, and we're still talking about her perspective, her obedience, and her faith today. You know, we too, we've got a choice that we've got to make. And, and I don't think that we can do this unless you and I are in the Word daily. I don't think we can do this unless our definition of God is growing daily. Because if that's not happening, the world's going to win. We've got to continue growing. Because then and only then are you and I capable of totally letting go and giving God complete control. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, this one's hard. This one is hard. I remember about 10 years ago, guys, I was just getting started uh, to get out of the sports world, and I had been blessed to, to, to move up into some upper levels of leadership. And, and I was invited to something called Goldman Sachs Financial Workshop. And the only reason I was invited is because they were trying to interest us. They were trying to convince us that they should be the ones to invest the funds that we raised for the university. And, and you have to understand this about me this morning. I need you to know this. Th this is not my world, right? It wasn't my world. It's not the way I grew up. I mean, my parents were incredible, incredible people, unbelievable. But you see, we were a hardworking, very middle-class family. And, and my mom and dad, they made sure that we were respectful and that, that we had manners. But, guys, suddenly I'm thrown into a dinner where there is more utensils around my plate than there ever was on my entire family setting at home. At my house, you had a fork, and if you needed it, a knife. And if I didn't eat fast, I didn't get seconds. That, that's just the truth. I was the smallest of three boys. I remember I thought I had it all figured out, right? So I had this, when I was in the sports world, I had this coat hanger thing right here on, in the corner of my office. And I got a blue blazer and a black blazer. And so I would put a polo shirt on, you know, every day. And if I got called into a meeting I wasn't sure about, I always had the blue or the black blazer. It matched anything, right? But then all of a sudden, guys, I'm called into these meetings where people are suited from head to toe. Totally outside of my world. And I will say this, I do thank God for my wife because she has more culture than I've ever thought about, and I'm so grateful for that. So she's like, we need to go shopping. Well, I had just watched a movie that I've seen. This is probably the third time, one of my favorite movies ever. Maybe some of you have seen it, but it's Kevin Costner. It's called For Love of the Game. And he's a major league pitcher, right? And he just has a big victory, and, and all of a sudden the team's coming back home, and he's walking through the airport. And guys, to me, it looked like he was walking in slow motion. My man had on a light tan summer suit, and I thought, that's it. That's the suit that I want, right? So naturally, when I find out that this Goldman Sachs meeting, that the attire for this meeting was suits, I'm thinking, I can't wait to impress them with my Kevin Costner tan. Guys, I walk into the ballroom. 
And in this meeting, there must have been 40 people. 39 of them had on blue business suits, and one bozo walks in with a light tan summer suit. Now, it is funny now, but I can promise you then, no. No, it wasn't funny. You see, when I walked in, it felt like the entire room just went, whew. And as I walked to my table, it felt like everybody and every neck just did this. Guys, it was one of the most awkward, outcast feelings in my entire life. And if you've never been through that, please know this. It is no fun and it's not easy. And I will tell you, that day, that day, I allowed the voices to get in my head and I believed them. And all I wanted to do was somehow blend in with everyone else and feel like I belong. You see, Satan, Satan was working this whole time because as soon as I sat down, it was like, I told you, Mark, I told you you don't belong in this world. You need to stay in your lane. You need to go back to where you belong. Who do you think you are? But you know, the amazing thing to me is, later on, God was so good to remind me that I do belong. I just don't belong to this world. That I was never created to just fit in. And that I'd have to be okay with being different. Different from the majority of the world if I truly, truly wanted to live for him. Now, I'm not saying that to say go out and just be different for being different. I'm saying that if you and I live the way that God's called us to live, if you and I are growing in God, we're going to be different. I think it's designed that way because then people look and go, how do you do that? How do you love like that? How do you have that family? And we point them straight to God. But I'm just telling you, it was tough. And I have so much respect for a young lady, maybe 14 years old, that could do what I was struggling like crazy to do in my 50s. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. I think this, guys. If we're going to be like Mary, if we're ever going to be truly who God created us to be, if you and I are going to fill the role that God has for us, we're going to be different than the majority of the world. And they may never understand us. And the thing is, we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay. And guys, I'm growing in that direction. Now, do I still have worldly thoughts and desires? Yes, but now only on days that end in Y. I do. But you see, this, this one is a process in my life. And you have something in your life that is similar to this. You have something that holds you back. We all do. But here's what I want to tell you, and here's what I want you to think about today. Two things that I wanted you to take away. One is this. I've realized that it is worth the fight. I've realized that it's worth the fight. The second thing is, I know that I'm never fighting alone. I know that my God is with me. And God, my prayer daily, my desire, my prayer is to be who God's called me to be and not worry about anything else. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you this is tough. 
whatever it is in your life that's that sticking point, please remember, it's worth the fight, and God is with you. Now, before I move on, I want you to understand this. I, again, I'm not saying be different to be different. I, yeah, I went and got a blue suit after that because I needed to because I didn't know that world, right? But I tell you what, mine didn't look like theirs. And before long, they were wearing what I wore. And, and, and it's because God was giving me confidence, not the world. But that day was tough. The last thing that I want you to see is this. I want you to see this. Mary allowed God's benchmarks in her life to continue growing her faith. Let me, let me try to explain that to you. We want to look at some examples of what God did to remind Mary that this was real and that he was in all of it. I want to look at these. There's three I want to share with you. There's a whole lot more, but for time, there's three I want to share with you. The first is this. God didn't send a human to Mary. Excuse me. God didn't send a human to Mary, right? God sent an angel. And God didn't just send any angel to Mary. God sent Gabriel, one of his most powerful angels, to tell Mary what God's plan for her life was. I think if you and I met an angel, it would impact us. And that's what God did for her. The, the second thing I want to remind you of is you remember we, we talked about how Elizabeth was now pregnant, right? She was in her sixth month, and so Mary decides to go to visit her. And I want you to listen to how Elizabeth greets Mary as soon as Mary arrives at her house. If you're following in your Bible, Luke 1, 41 through 46, listen to this. When, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Now, guys, please know Mary and Elizabeth lived between 70 and 80 miles apart. This was a three-day walk journey for Mary. They didn't have email. They didn't have cell phones. There was no way that Elizabeth could know what was going on as far as the world is concerned. And what this did, this made Mary realize that only God, only the creator of the universe, the God who can do anything, only God could reveal every single thing to Elizabeth that Mary had already been told. Guys, do you know what this did for her? Do you know what it would be like to take that deep breath and go, oh, I'm not crazy. This is real. Do you know how it strengthened her? Do you know how she took that and she used it for confidence for those voices that would continue to come? You see, God grew her through this. And then the last one I want to share with you today is this. If you remember, just after the birth of Jesus, the Bible tells us that there were, the angel went to the nearby shepherds and told the shepherds basically everything that was happening. And then the shepherds decided that they wanted to go and see for themselves. Well, in Luke 2, 16 through 19, it says this. So they, speaking of the shepherds, it says, So they hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And those who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But listen to this. But Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Moms, I think you get this one. Guys, Mary allowed God's nuggets in, in her life to remind her. She allowed God's nuggets to grow her, and she allowed God's nuggets to reassure her that this was real and that God was in control. And if you and I are ever going to be who God's called us to be, we've got to do the same. We've got to slow down our lives, and we've got to really, really just get some time to sit back and reflect and we've got to look at what God's doing. We've got to look at how he's putting nuggets in our lives and how that might be what he's preparing us for. We've got to do that. We've got to allow God's nuggets to grow us. You see, God chose Mary out of all the women in the entire world to be the mother of his only begotten son, because she believed that her God was big enough. She believed that her God was big enough. And she was more concerned with what God wanted and what God thought than the world. She took all these nuggets along the way. And, and she let them strengthen her. And she let them grow her. And they would block out the voices that this world would bring. Was it easy? No. No, this was one of the most incredible feats in the Bible to me. What she did and what she went through at her age was absolutely amazing. But if Mary was here, I think she'd tell you this. I think she would tell you, remember, God always equips us for what he calls us to. God always equips us for what he calls us to. So what is it? What is it that's stopping you this morning? What is it that's stopping you from being who God's called you to be? Is your God big enough? Is your God strong enough? Is your definition of God growing daily because you're in his word and praying? Are you allowing the doubts of the world to seek in? And tell you no way. Get back in your lane. Who do you think you are? Maybe like me. Maybe you struggle with the world. Maybe you struggle and maybe you're trying to prove to the world that you're somebody. Because the world's trying to tell you you're nobody from nowhere like Mary. And so maybe you're bound and determined to prove to this world. Can I tell you something? That's a lost road. That's a lost road. Let God, let God show you what he created you for. Let God grow you into who you can be with him and in him. And if you're different from the world, that's a good thing. Because when God is in us, when God is working through us, the love that comes out of us is going to be different. The generosity that comes out of us is going to be different. The forgiveness that comes out of us is going to be different because God's Holy Spirit is working in us. Sometimes we forget that. Or maybe, maybe you're just too busy. 
Maybe you're too busy. I heard busy was being under Satan's yoke. And maybe our life is so busy because we're trying to compete with the world or we're trying to impress people that don't even care. I don't know. But if we don't slow down and get God's nuggets along the way, if we don't slow down and let him grow us and show us and teach us and say, hey, take this and use it here and then build on that and use it here. That's what Mary was able to do. We have to decide, guys. Is all this a fairy tale? Is it a dream? Or like Mary, do we believe it's real? Are you different today? You see, this this sermon is really geared towards the believer because I think so many of us today are stuck in third gear and God's like, push the clutch and pull it down and let's go. Let's get in fourth gear. Let's totally believe. Let's do what we can do in this community and be who God's called us to be. And unashamedly, that's what Mary was able to do. I think so many times we spend so much effort trying to be somebody in this world. And and, and I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. It says, all throughout history, God has chosen and used nobodies because their unusual dependence on him made possible the unique display of his power and his grace. What that's saying to me is this, in, 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 in Mark Roach terms, it's saying, hey, when you open the refrigerator and you go to eat, Do you take that for granted or do you stop and do you thank God for it? Because if you take it for granted, then you no longer need God in your life. You think you are self-sufficient. But when we stop and we give thanks, we remember. Because I got news for you. Again, we don't breathe unless God allows it or ordains it. We don't wake up in the morning unless God allows it or ordains it. So if you think you are self-sufficient, then the world has told you a lie and you've believed it. And I pray today, I pray today that changes. We've got, we've got to be who God's called us to be. You see, there's this hole in our heart that, that we were created that way so that you and I, when we have full fulfillment, when we have a joy that's unexplainable, when Jesus talks about an abundant life, it's because that hole is filled with him. Mary knew this. She knew it at almost 14 years old. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I pray today, I pray that we can have the perspective of Mary as we go into this Christmas season. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just, um, I'm just thankful. I am so grateful, God, that you have forgiven a sinner like me. And I'm so grateful, God, to know that you love me and that you desire for me to be yours completely. I pray that for the, for the congregation today, God, that we see and know that you are real, that there is no one like you. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for it, who can be against it? Nobody. Nobody, because there's no one like you, Lord God. God, may we as a church, may we know that, may we understand that, and may we see what you want to do with us and through us as we complete this 25 acres. Thank you, Lord. 
And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.